Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with Jeremy and today we are talking to Thomas. Thomas is the founder of the Bug Factory. Through his company, he has the ambition to revolutionize the pet food industry by offering an alternative sustainable solution to feed your pets, homegrown bugs. Like every entrepreneur, starting a new company comes with its challenges, especially when you're trying to disrupt such an established market. Thomas gives us an insight on the origin of his adventure, from launching a Kickstarter campaign to joining an incubator and raising money from investors. It's a really cool and inspiring episode about a topic we don't hear very often, but which could be part of our future in just a few years. You will see that using insects as a protein source is not that far-fetched, and we are very excited to see what Thomas and the Bug Factory will be serving our pets, and maybe us, in the near future. Enjoy. Hi Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and to talk to us. I have so many questions. I can't wait to learn about you and your business, but yeah, welcome and thank you for being here. Rosie, Jeremy, thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to talk to you both. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us about bugs. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be such an interesting conversation, I feel. Um, uh, You're basically friend with a previous guest on the show, Hugo. Uh, We recorded an episode last year with him, I think, about one year ago. Mm. And yeah, he's a videographer, photographer. And a few weeks ago, he was taking pictures of insects and bugs. And I was like, what What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it obviously caught my attention. And I was like, I need to know more about that. So that's why I reached out to you to understand a little bit more. And and I've got to say, like your website and your Instagram are very, very intriguing. Uh, so you are the founder of The Bug Factory. And your, your tagline is the future of sustainable pet food. And you basically create food from insects and like worms and larvae and stuff like that. And uh, I feel I've got to start with like, how did you get into the bug business? <laughs> yeah, great question. I mean, so typically when I, the, the first thing I get asked by people when they find out what I do, they say like, you know, why bugs? Um, and yeah, I mean, that kind of comes back from kind of my upbringing, I was born and raised in like the middle of nowhere in the English countryside. Mm-hmm. Had loads of pets, you know, from, you know, dogs, cats to like chickens, reptiles, <laughs> birds, amphibians, loads of stuff. Not all at the same time, mind you, like different, <laughs> different stages. Otherwise, otherwise, it'd I was like going to say, did zip. you live in a zoo? Because it sounds like <laughs> oh, yeah. Separate, separate. I mean, separate. But I did have three lizards living in my room, like uh, some like Egyptian dab tail and leopard geckos. Mm. Um, so really, really comfortable with animals. Grew up, and the, the more I grew up, the more interested in design uh, and art I became. And then I went to, and then at university I studied industrial design and technology. Mm. Uh, and during that four-year course, you can the last year you spend doing a project, your main project. Uh, can be about whatever you want. And I was like, okay, well, I've got a year. I want to do something that I'm passionate about, uh, sustainability. So I was like, okay, what major issues are is ha- are happening in the world? Right. And one of the things that really piqued my interest was um, uh, protein consumption and production. And I'm sure we're kind of all aware of how we now need more efficient proteins. We know we know traditional livestock, especially cows, are really inefficient. Um, so I was like, okay, there's this big issue around unsustainable protein. You know, there's a rising middle class. 
uh, rising population, there's there's a huge demand for uh, you know increased protein. Yeah. What solutions are being addressed to combat this? So I was researching and I saw these great solutions from like you know plant protein to algae to lab-grown meat to insects, and I was like, oh, all these seem really cool. Um, and then but I really wanted to focus on something that could really empower the individual to produce their own source, so actually give them the tools. So I, from the solutions uh, I looked at, it, insects were the, were the best contender to actually allow someone to have an affordable uh, homegrown supply of protein. So the initial concept wasn't actually for pets, it was actually for humans. It was right. a more futuristic way that humans could actually grow insects in their home. Um, so then I spent a year designing concepts, researching to this, and developed a prototype that is kind of the precursor to what we're doing now. And this is back in 2017, 2018. Um, mm -hmm. And then that was kind of the concept. So it was essentially, uh, I mean, if people are listening to this and they want to, I'd say look at the website, just look, yeah. look at the uh, bugfactory.co.uk just to see what we're talking about, just because it's a bit abstract. But essentially, it's a small device similar to that of a microwave size that can be placed in a home and can allow someone to essentially recycle their food waste, you know, like if you have fresh fruit, fruit or vegetables, put that in there, and then you can actually grow uh, insects. So our pods are made around the, the life cycle of the mealworm. So it's bespoke to that life cycle. So it's kind of similar to a caterpillar. You know, you have the egg, you then have kind of the chrysalis pupa stage, you then have the caterpillar, which is in this case is a mealworm, and then it turns into a beetle. Um, so it's gonna have a four stage life cycle. It's comparable to like, you know, a butterfly, but it's based around that life cycle specifically. Um, yeah, and then kind of it, I designed it. It got some like, you know, recognition, won some design awards. Uh, I was like, then I was like, you know what? I'm, I, you know, I've been trained as a designer. I want to work as a designer. Uh, so I, I that was then interning and working uh, as a junior designer in a, in a London design agency. Um, but then in the back of my mind, I was like, you know what? I want to develop this idea I had. You know, I had a bit of an itching to yeah. do something <laughs> different. Because a lot of my peers and colleagues, you know, it's, there's quite like a traditional route you do as a designer. You know, you start off as a junior, then become middle, then a, then a, yeah. then a, then a senior. But then I was like, you know what, I have time for that. I can do that later. Let's try and do something a bit more, you know, uh, a bit more risky, something a bit more that, you know, a bit more unique and a bit more fun. So then I joined a incubator back in 2019. Uh, and then I launched the initial concept on Kickstarter back in 2020. Um, and that was really still at this stage was still for human consumption. Uh, and we sold like, I think we sold like close to 350 units. So we made like 22K, um, which was cool, but we quickly learned, which was the main reason why we were doing it was to test our assumptions at, to see if the, the human market was ready or if we should go, or, or, or if we should position this to um, the pet market. And then surprise, surprise, we learned that it was more applicable to the pet owners because you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, people eating insects uh, from like, you know, a protein powder or a protein bar. Hmm. It's another thing saying, all right, here's how you can grow your insects and here's how you can, you know, turn the insects into actual food. So yeah. it's a it's almost a niche of a niche. Um, but uh, pet owners, especially pet owners who have, um, you know, kind of small animals, you know, like amphibians, reptiles, uh, wild birds, poultry, a lot of these pet owners actually uh, currently feed and need their pets to eat these sorts of insects. So it's a very much easy, it's a much easier sell and allows us to kind mm. of like, you know, try and penetrate that, that market and then expand outwards. Yeah. Um, 
So we're now at the really cool stage where we've raised investment. We now have a team. We'll be launching our redesigned version in a few months uh, later this year. So yeah, it's a really exciting dynamic time. And I guess it kind of, to bring it back to your question, uh, like it really kind of started off as a design idea, then a kind of project, and now we've raised investments and now we're turning it into a serious company. Um, and yeah, kind of having a blast along the way. I, I also don't, wouldn't have thought I'd been doing this if you asked me a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how life has a way of doing that to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, you know, you just can't, I mean, I often think as long as you're doing something, as long as you know kind of roughly what you want to be doing, like so for myself, I love design sustainability. So I kind of know I want to be kind of over here. So no matter which way I go, as long as I'm kind of going in this generic direction, I'll, yeah. I know I'll be decent. But if I'm doing something over here, I'm like, okay, well, I like this. I'm going this direction. Maybe I should tack back and do something that I'm more yeah. um, passionate about. It. That gets me excited. It's so interesting you mentioned about the human consumption because mm. I've kind of read the same things about sustainability, about eating less meat and cows and things like that and how there's so much protein in bugs and I think it's one thing to know that information and to have the knowledge and be like okay I should be eating bugs because it's better for everything and everyone sustainability all the rest of it that goes into it Mm. but there's nothing to actually go ahead and eat bugs and I think especially like you said to grow them yourself but it's interesting. I think we're probably just a stage before doing that, maybe. I think it's something that we could do in the future. I think it's yeah. just still probably quite a new idea that... Yeah, you need... It's it's like every every change in society. You need the early adopters, right? To, yeah. To, to yeah. reach the like the first like 5% or whatever to before it actually takes off and, and create a real behavioral society change like on a, on a big market. You, you need those early adopters at the beginning to spread the world and kick everything off yeah 100 and and especially with things as like you know culturally and like emotionally attached as food you know these things mm-hmm. take you know years decades to really kind of like in, like in, integrate in a society i mean you know like i mean i've grown up i was born in 95 so i've grown up you know as an adult in the past I've grown up, yeah, I've grown up, so this century, well, this, in the past, like, 10 years, and I'm really used to the idea of sushi. Like, you know, I walk into, like, you know, Tesco Express or, like, you know, any supermarket in the UK here, they'll be, like, you know, you can get, like, you know, some sushi. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, a decade or two ago, that wouldn't be the case. Like, my like my grandparents, you know, they, they're, like, you know, from Europe, so they're not really accustomed to the idea of raw fish. They're a bit like, um, ooh, like, I'm not, I wouldn't eat that. You know, and yeah. so like sushi is one example. But, like, you know, also there's oysters. You know, oysters used to be deemed... Uh, uh, you know, oysters weren't popular, and then they got rare. You know, similar to lobsters back in the back in the last back, like a hundred years ago, back in America, they were fed to prisoners, um, yeah. and then you know, then things changed. So, like, it's funny, it's funny, but like, but especially food-wise, that this takes this takes time. So, especially with something as niche as insects, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's trying to get them persuade people to kind of eat them in like you know a stage by stage thing. But I mean, Rosie, what you just said is like, I mean, it's literally like it's literally the definition of cognitive dissonance where you have two mm. conflicting ideas of like you know oh insects they're um they're, they're sustainable high in protein you know they're good for the planet good for me um and then oh insects you know don't they 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 live in dirt you know they're disgusting you know oh yuck 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 i'll never think, you know i think i've actually bought bugs as like a joke present for jeremy's cousins yeah, once like lollipops with bugs yeah. in it and we were like ah, oh my god there's <laughs> bugs in it yeah but you've got to eat it and i don't think they even ate them i think they were just too yeah. grossed out and it's kind of 
there's kind of that novelty of it being like a fun and exciting thing but not something that I would yet take seriously but I think it's it's just yeah. a mindset shift isn't it like you said is like it's yeah. you know bugs aren't disgusting and especially if you're growing them yourself you know what you're giving them and you know where they've come from and there's kind of that whole thing as well which I think is interesting because I think there's a whole thing as well with the food industry is you don't really know where your food comes from. No. You might be getting avocados from Brazil and then something else from somewhere else. And there's that whole carbon footprint of, you know, moving food about around the world as well. Whereas if you're actually growing them yourself, there's that sustainability side as well, which is like another layer. So, yeah, it's so interesting. It's also very cultural because, I mean, I haven't been, but I know in Asia, in some countries, they do eat bugs in, in the street. Like you can have like street food of... Uh, Snakes I don't know, and like, scorpions yeah, and scorpions and stuff like that. So it's cultural also. Uh, it's just not a Western thing to do. Yeah, I mean, like insects. I mean, again, this is one of the reasons why we kind of pivoted to the pet sector because it was just, yeah. it didn't have these barriers. Um, but I mean, for the edible insect market, I mean, yeah, hit the, hit the nail on the head there. There's like 2 billion people in the world eat insects, you know, and there's over 2,000 different wow. kinds of edible insects. So the variations in different insects is huge. So like different places, like, you know, in Nigeria compared to like Thailand, what they would eat there and consume are very, very different. You know, right. they wouldn't, they wouldn't really eat the same things. It's a bit like, you know, it's almost as a stretch of saying like, you know, you eat mammal, you know, no one really says, oh, I eat mammal. It's like, no, I eat kind of cow or like, you know, pig. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's very, very broad and very, very kind of like decentralized in the sense of, because there's so, so much variety. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's 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 really interesting, but this is an area that, as this decade proceeds, will become more and more important because this is a growing concern. And in and in those regions where insects are um, already consumed, it's a much easier sell, and the industry can be built there much quicker for edible insects. Whereas in the West, you know, pet feed is a really really effective way of converting and turning, uh, you know, a produce into high high protein pet feed, which you know mm. can reduce emissions and increase quality and reduce costs importantly i was gonna sorry i keep putting you off i was gonna say though but you just said about the costs as well because i was thinking that must be a hell of a lot cheaper especially if we've got like a big dog that eats a lot of food it must be a lot cheaper to feed them insects than it would be to buy them like steaks and like that meat food that you buy in the supermarkets because that can add up especially if you have one or two dogs and cats and you know people have multiple animals in their home so it must really reduce the costs as well yeah, so right now our V1 version, which we're launching in a few months, is just for kind of, as I say, kind of smaller animals. So like, you know, uh, and like the more tr- animals that are traditionally known for eating insects. So like, you know, okay. wild birds, poultry, amphibians, uh, reptiles, um, uh, and also fishing. Uh, but in the V2 version, which we're designing, which we've started to design and will be launching hopefully next year, is a much more sophisticated product. And that will be based around larger animals, including like dogs and cats. Um, so, so that there will be like this ability to actually save money and like mm-hmm. offset your the, the monthly or the weekly you know expenditure you have on these animals because yeah they're so costly and also like you know pets are part of the family. You know people just in, are incre- especially like you know younger generations just freaking love their pets. You know, <laughs> um, I think Mars Mars Petcare released a study last year actually saying that. Um, People in the UK, pet owners spend two and a half times more on their pets than they do on their own babies. Um, so it's, it's kind of a... <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, it's also a bit disingenuous because I think these things are broken down into like, you know, lifetime expenditure and you have a baby for like, you know, a few years, whereas you have a pet for like, you know, a decade or two. Yeah. Um, 
But still, you know, it shows, you know, the realities of yeah. like, you know, having a pet is a lucrative industry and people, people are increasingly spending more money on their pets. So these, I, these areas of like, you know, producing something that is sustainable, affordable and nutritious, I think has real commercial legs. And it, that's why I'm really excited to launch it in the next couple of months. So, um, mm. yeah, like, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's quite it's a very exciting time. So I, I have plenty of questions to dive into the business and stuff like that. But before that, I like to go back into the, the, the beginning of the, yeah. the, the story. And because, you know, like you have a background in design, uh, went to school for that. And, and I'm pretty sure, you know, you could, and I mean, you did for a while, but you could have a pretty good career in this specific field. Uh, and how was it welcomed by family or friends? Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to go put all that aside and design a pod to grow bugs at home. Uh, how was that welcome, you know? In... <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, well, actually, I think at the time when I was debating this, I was actually more so focused around trying to find a job, trying to find a traditional job in the design world. And then my parents were actually, they were like, well, Tom, you have all your life, like, you know, you're a smart, you're a smart kid, you've got a degree in design, you know, a, a, from one of the best design universities in the country, you know, you have all your life to be focusing on, on those sorts of things. You know, why not, why not take a risk and do something for yourself and have some, and have some fun. And then I thought about it more and I was like, you know what, why wouldn't I, you know, it's, I think the more riskier thing would be not taking the risk now. But yeah, my parents were super supportive of the um, of doing of doing the startup, you know, having and having some fun with um, basically an idea I came up with. Uh, they were so they were super supportive. Uh, I was actually a little bit more hesitant at the start. I was a bit like, oh, you know, all my friends are getting jobs. You know, I have to start my career. You know, I need a pension. I need to get a house. Blah blah. And then they're like, well, like you know, you know, just at the very least, you know, to have fun with it for a year, see where you can take this. And I was like, you know what, like that's yeah. Yeah, like they were super supportive and like they helped me out with like because at the start, like, I mean, the, I was really, I'm really blessed. Like you know, I, like not everyone has the luxury of who, who can take the time to do this. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. some people need to be earning a salary right off the bat. Whereas I, I could do a little bit of freelancing. My parents also helped with some of my rent, so like it allowed me that time to like you know make some mistakes, learn a bit, and then you know raise investment and now become more uh, you know self sufficient. But like really, really blessed for them, them helping me out and like you know allowing me to actually, um, you know, have the luxury to take to take a risk. Yeah. Um, and then for my my friends, I think a lot of them were like, I think a lot of them, they just had it funny. They, they, they were just <laughs> love. I think, I think if I ha if I took any longer to like get the ball rolling because you know COVID happened when I was coming like in this period and like there's a little bit of like meandering. Uh, before we raise investment. So I think if I took any longer to raise investment and start like, you know, showing more signs of uh, progress, yeah. I would have started to be like, oh, you know, I feel a bit embarrassed about what I'm doing. But, um, you know, like, but, uh, you know, people just, you know, I think I get, get nothing from support, I think, especially with a lot of my friends, they kind of find it, uh, some of them have told me they find it, you know, kind of like, you know, um, inspiring to see like, you know, someone do something from an idea and move, move it forward. Um, yeah. You know, and the likelihood is like, you know, most startups do fail, you know, that's the reality of things. You know, if you're a betting man, you're, you know, you're probably bet against it or betting betting person, yeah. you're bet against it being a success. But I think in life, like so much is not about like, you know, the, the end destination, it's about the journey. So yeah. like, you know, things I'm doing right now, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought I'm do, I would have done. Um, so like, you know, and there's all these weird things, I think, you know, 
uh, some people who I love to listen to from a more like, you know, startup world call it like, you know, uh, career capital, you know, in the early stage, you need yeah. to be doing, you need to be doing stuff like, just like you guys, you know, doing a podcast, you know, exploring things, you know, just doing a range of things and, and taking those risks because ultimately those risks, not taking the risks could actually be riskier. And yeah. then in doing more risky things, you can then acquire more social capital that will pay huge dividends in the future. But you don't really know how right now. So, you know, I'm, I, I just try and say yes as much as I can these days um, within reason. So I can yeah. kind, of, kind of just push. If I, if I don't feel pressure, I, I need a little bit of pressure to like, you know, have fun. You know, I think I like to, I think a third of my time is, you know, I'm in my comfort zone. Uh, the other third of my time is like, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, treading water. I'm a bit like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit out of my depth, but not too much. I can kind of feel the ground. And then the other third, I'm just like way out in the ocean. I'm like, where the hell, where the hell am I right now? Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's, but everyone's been very supportive, you know, I think there's, I think there's, people like it because I think they, yeah, people just, I think that people are fans, people, I think especially my friends and family, they want to see, you know, people follow their passion and do well. So I've had really nothing but um, real positivity, to be honest. Mm. Well, shout out to your parents for being amazing parents, because that's awesome, honestly, uh, you, you know, like, uh, it, yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. Are your parents entrepreneur or? No, no. Then, no. Uh, okay, actually, it's not even now. Okay, because I was wondering, no, I you know, if that. like <laughs> they actually are. They actually are. I'd say um, they've done. They've had like you know uh, more traditional jobs, but also in the past few years they've been doing and exploring like you know going like consulting, freelancing, doing mm -hmm. things that are quite like you know untypical. So yeah, actually, you know, I I, I quickly said no, but then I was like, wait, a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they actually are. No, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's amazing that the environment also uh yeah gave you a chance to pursue this this what could seem yeah. a crazy project you know out of school and stuff like that so that's that's amazing yeah um, i think from from my point of view also it's like one of the things i i play this scenario in my mind's eye sometime it's um <laughs> it's it's just like you know when you when you as soon as you graduate some people just get run into a job they're like okay i need a like you know t typically where i'm from i'm kind of from the southeast of england so like people are very close to london so People are like, okay, I need to get a job, move to London, uh, and then the people like, you know, they can take the first job that they kind of get, and then they're in that job, and then you know they're on a like, you know, bad salary, but then they work a year or two, and they're like, oh, they're on a, you know, a, an okay salary, but they don't really like the job, and then they kind of, you know, stay there for a few more years, and then they're like, oh, you know, I've I've only done this for my for the I've only done this, so I should probably stay in this sector. And so, like, I, just, I have this horrible, like, scenario. If I was to, I've done that, like, you know, you just kind of go, you go into something, not really thinking, and before you know it, you think that there, you think that's the only skill set you have, and then you're kind of stuck in that industry yeah. where, and then you look back when you're 40 or something, and you're like, oh, I should, maybe I should, maybe I should have done that. Maybe I should have yeah. done something different. Um, so, but that's just in my mind's eye, you know, I paint this picture to myself of, um, you know, just, just, you know, not really enjoying what you do. Yeah. I think it's very relevant. And I think as well, when you start kind of, buying a house and you've got a mortgage or if you get married and have kids and do that whole thing like you've kind of then got responsibilities and you're like I probably can't quit my however much a year job to start a random business that might not work so kind of when you're younger when you don't have those responsibilities is the time to do it and the fact that you had your parents there to help you and support you and your friends and yeah it's amazing but yeah. I, I completely agree with that whole like you get stuck in a job and then it's so hard to leave because you, you get a promotion and then you think oh I might as well stay because then I'll get more money and yeah. stay in this job I hate but at least what is paying the bills or whatever so yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to what you just said yeah it's um it's 
Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's 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 a it's a real tough one. But on the on the flip side, you know, sometimes you don't have the luxury of time. You know, sometimes you yeah. you literally need you need to get in there. So it is it is tricky. It is tricky. But you know, I, I'm very thankful. I, I had the luxury of time, so I could think out think about what I wanted to do, have some fun with it. Um, but also have have but also have like you know confidence thrust upon me, and also have enough self confidence to be like you know what. I can, I can, I want to give this a try. And also ignorance, a huge amount of ignorance, <laughs> which you need to have. Because, you know, Sometimes like, ignorance is bliss, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you're rational, it's a bit like, oh, like, you know, why would I start this? You know, the chances of this working are low, you know, insects, you know, it's a, it's a niche sector, you know, so therefore it's like, oh, like, you know, if you, if you want to be, if you want to like, like dig into the maths, it's a bit like, oh, like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this, but then... It's a bit like no, like you know, if you, you you need to have that, you you need to have that naivety at the start to push the boundaries and see what is possible. Otherwise, yeah. you know, we'll live in a place that's you know filled with constraints where people really aren't pushing what's what pushing innovate, innovation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what that. Yeah, without that, we won't have any innovation in the world anyway. So we need people like like you to take, I would say, calculated risks because uh, it's also mm. not completely like stupid throwing yourself out of the window i think it's more calculated risk that you know what you're doing even if oh, sometimes yeah. you don't but you know it's it's still within a safe space so it's yeah but when you started did you give yourself like in your mind a kind of deadline like, okay i i need to make this work by this time or raise money or whatever otherwise i'm i'm, I'm stopping and i'm going back to a normal job yeah no exactly so in my mind so actually this is so um, I hope no one from my university is listening. Actually, no, <laughs> everyone, everyone knows this about me if they know me. So I was never a fan of Loughborough University town. Like I didn't really like, I didn't really like the like the area. Um, yeah. And so when I so when I finished, I love the university. The university is, is fantastic. It's 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 it's, it's beautiful. But I wasn't really a, a fan of of the town itself because it's quite a small student town. You know, it's got a population of like you know, like you know, forty thousand people, half of right. which are students. Um, I prefer I prefer big cities. Um, mm. Well, I prefer lots small uh, cities. Um, and then, so after graduating, I then, uh, as, I said, as I said, working in London. But then I thought to myself, you know what? I want to kind of develop this. But I'm a, I'm a designer. I don't know how. So I got into an incubator. But the incubator's main office was back at my university in Loughborough. So I was like, okay, I want to take this. I want to take this very seriously, like a job for literally a year. I gave myself mentally a year. I was like, all right, let's see where we can take this in a year, and then if things aren't going well, aren't going bad, no, no problem because you know you you would have learned loads of great skills that you could then apply to you know other other careers. Um, but but if you are showing traction, then you know you can then keep on going. Um, but then doing so, I then had to. I then was like, all right, to take this seriously. I need to have access to this office and the people in it and the mentors. Um, 24-7, you know, it has to be a job. So, because it was so, I think it's quite easy if you're doing it by yourself in your room to like, you know, start off very strong and then after a while lose motivation, especially when you're a sole founder, which can be really, really tough because you don't have someone to bounce off when you're feeling down. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, back, let's go back to Loughborough. And in my head, I was like, uh, a little part of me was like, oh no, I'm regressing. Like I've graduated from here. I'm going back to here, you know? Um, so that was, so that was, that was actually relatively tough for me to do that, to take that mental, I guess, step back, but it was a step forward. Um, but when I told my friends um, I was going back, they're like, what? Like, you, you, know, you know, like the town, like you, yeah. you're, the, you're the least likely person to do that. I was like, well, that's, I want to take it seriously for a year and give it my best and then see where we go from there. And it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, you're a designer and when 
with my little knowledge about, I mean, your business, I, I feel the design part of your business is quite small. That like you're designing what you call pods, where you grow the the insects and everything. But ultimately, this is it's an important part, but it's a small part of the entire business and the whole thing. Um, how did you manage to get the skills to do everything else that the business requires? Yeah, great question. So yeah, that was actually really tough. So that's a, that's the reason why I actually joined uh, an incubator, just so I could get access to mentorship, uh, also bounce off other entrepreneurs who had better strengths than myself. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a learning curve. Like, you know, I mean, you're, you're totally right. Design is just one small part of like, you know, a business. Like, you know, there's so much stuff from like, you know, the financials to the legals to the logistics operations. Um, you know, literally, I mean, even though it's a startup, it's just so much you have to do. It's it's a little bit, you know, a little bit scary at first, but um, once you kind of break it down and kind of get support. So I think for me, it was the key thing was, um, Firstly, hearing experiences from people who did, who had done similar things, you know, who had run startups and be like, look, you know, it's it's all a bit chaotic and like, you know, there's lots going on, but it's a process, you know, you start off kind of, you know, little, little by little, you just don't, you don't just dive into like, you know, earning, generating a million, a million dollars and like, you know, having 10 employees, you know, it starts off small by small. Um, but really listening to like, you know, mentors and people who have done it before and being around people who could assist me. Um, and outsourcing some of the key things. So like, you know, uh, you know, some of the, like, you know, legal, legal advice, you know, uh, and well, and also firstly getting re recommendations from startup uh, founders uh, and CEOs who, what, what services they use, what tricks and tips they, they learn from like, you know, from the, um, I guess, you know, the obvious stuff from like, you know, legal or accounting to, you know, you know, even meditation, or like, you know, making sure, you know, take time off, you know, don't burn yourself out, you know, you know, take, take weekends off or, you know, you know, it's not bad to not work. Don't feel guilty if you're not working 24 seven, because especially for the first bit of time, like, you know, I felt like, you know, everything, all the outputs determined by my input. So I was like, okay, I need to work hard. I need to really work hard. And a little part of it, my, t my time was spent like, you know, just on it, like thinking of it in an hourly uh, structure. So I was like, oh, I need to spend 10 hours a day doing this. But then the reality is it's like, all right, well, if you're not being efficient for those 10 hours, you, you've only spent four hours working. Like what, you should have just done four hours. You've wasted your own time. You've actually wasted six hours of your time uh, not doing that. So yeah, it was, it's, it was a mixture of just, you know, finding, you know, like tips and tricks from founders, to help me with my like you know mental health to like you know physical health to like you know actual you know all right here's what here's what we recommend regarding you know raising investment you know talk to these people or use a service or you know um you know don't, don't do that do it yourself you know uh, and a lot of it's been like you know having to learn a lot myself because i think you need you know you don't try and do it try and do as much well i think as a, running a company you should try it in the early days is try and try and do as much as possible yourself or at the very least understand it so um if you do need to talk to someone, you do know a little bit about what, what's going on. So you're not like, totally ignorant. Um, but yeah, it does mean a lot of, yeah, you have to, I, well, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of reading. So a lot of podcasts um, and talking to people and, you know, even where I am right now, I'm in an, I, our office space is a co-working space where it's filled with other entrepreneurs. So like, you know, just literally earlier today, I sp spoke to someone about, you know, um, uh, you, uh, you know, expansion to the US and like, you know, it's, it's talking about like, you know, US uh, accounts and everything. Uh, and, you know, 
distributed rates, you know. So it's all these things that you know, just be be in the mix. Really, I like to be in the mix and just try and try and like you know, express ideas and talk and like you know, really just I would say, you know, sh share because ultimately I think at the start of people's journeys with like being an entrepreneur or like having ideas, like oh no, you need to be like oh this is my idea, like no one, no one, yeah. no no one can know about it, no one can know. Uh, but it's, I think it's a total, it's, I think especially also speaking to people in Europe and the UK, people are quite standoffish with ideas at the start. They're like, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you this is mine. Whereas I spoke to some American colleagues and they're much, like, it's much more like, you know, open. It's like, all right, here's my idea. What do you think? And ultimately, you know, if, if you tell someone your idea um, and you're scared they're going to steal it, either it's a really bad idea because it can be so easy, easy done by someone else and it's probably not worth your time doing it. Um, so you shouldn't really be scared about sharing your idea. Maybe don't, maybe don't share your patterns. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea itself, you know, I think you have to you have to talk. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And what has been the most challenging part for you, like personally, with like creating and now growing, running the business? What is the most challenging part for you that maybe you had to really bring someone in a team to help you out or whatever? Yeah, so I've seen the most challenging part so far has been actually growing the team. So we actually, yeah, it's actually it's actually been really been really challenging hiring. So mm -hmm. hiring and actually having to let someone go recently. So like for me, this is this is all new. So it's been really really kind of like trial by fire in this regard. So it's been a real challenge um, of trying to find you know the people who are right fit. For the, for the right the right fit for the company uh, and also you know have the right skill set so a cultural fit and also you know have the right skills so it's been really challenging because as a founder like you know doing this for, like you know by myself for, like you know 18 months before making a, an actual making a, you know bringing other employees on it's like okay well you know i love this, this is my baby you know i've been doing this you know um you know what you have to love it too but you know it's like no it's a lot of people it's you know it's, it's a job you know no one's gonna love it as much as i love it yeah you can't um, expect your employees to be as invested as you are yeah no exactly exactly right exactly right and, and why should and you know nor should it be you know because it's yeah. you know it's more of a job they haven't, they haven't it wasn't their idea that they started like you know in a room by themselves you know so it's it's trying to find people who have the passion and who are just i would say just the right are just the right fit because you know going up creating like a company so early stage like, like ours is like you know it's just an uphill battle you know it's going up a mountain um and you need people who can who are real value add who can help you get up there you know you can't be having you know you can't be hiring people and then you know them being like you know them slowing you down because you know it's just so hard as it is you know i'm trying to i'm trying to do this man about like i'm just holding on to this man by myself so like you know you need people who can like you know be like all right let's give you a little step up so it's i would say like personally it's just under un, truly understanding what i need or what the company needs due to my own like lack of lack of like you know what i want to delegate or what needs to delegate mm. and what skill sets we're lacking and who is the right person to fill that void so i'd say yeah like the hardest thing has definitely been expanding and growing the team it's been a real mm. challenge just to counteract jeremy's question what has been your highlight has there been one moment when you're like holy shit what has just happened <laughs> oh okay uh i didn't also i didn't realize we could swear so I, 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 oh I, yeah swear as much as you want i think i said freaking earlier um, <laughs> so, um, but, um the highest points um i think one of the highest points for me was when i got my had my 
got my first bit of investor from an angel investor. Um, so, yeah, when, when he said, so I think, so I'm, I know a few investors and then when I was ready to do the investment round, I remember approaching one of them and being like, hey, look, this is my pitch, this is my, this is my spiel, this is my deck. I would want to run it through you and get your, get your take. And then afterwards, he, um, after I did it, he was like, you know what, so I'm like, you know, I actually want to invest. And I was like, oh, yes. He's like, yeah, I like what you're doing. I've seen, I've seen you grow the past year. You've got the seven nation. You have, um, I think you're the person who can say what you're going to do because ultimately all these things you're going to do in the future, it doesn't mean shit. Like, you know, it's just, you know, it's just literally stuff on paper. The, 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 the thing that I'm buying into is you, yeah. your authenticity and you being able to do what you say you can do. Um, so the, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting him to invest. I was literally wanted, wanted him, I wanted him to, you know, rip <laughs> what I was saying apart and say like, you know, this, no, do, do change this or do this. Um, yeah. yeah. So getting that spontaneous first bit of investment from our first investor, um, I would say is yeah one of the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Was I was actually going to, I was going to ask you about the investment part because I think it's like for me I've never had to do that and I hope I never have to because it sounds terrifying <laughs> but I can't imagine like going to somebody being like hey um please give me lots of your money for my business idea thanks like is it terrifying like it, oh, it yeah, must be I mean I think I would find it terrifying either way but I'd love to know your experience like is it terrifying thinking like this is my little idea that I started and now I'm asking for money from people and they're never going to do it but then they do and it's yeah yeah i mean when you first do it when you first have your first conversations it can be more it can be basically just how you described there rosie like it's like like oh like you know little me you know i can have some money please <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> then like you know the more you do it the more like you know it's like you have to have really you, you grow really thick skin because you know like you know the the you know let's just say if you talk to let's just say you, if you message or you talk to 100 investors you know half of them probably might not even reply or say no and then the other then the other like you know another another 20 will be like you know will say like oh tell me more than like oh no not interested and then another 20 will be like uh you know like not you know they'll probably de decline it after the first call um and then like five percent will just be like you know not for me and then like you know then three percent then basically what you're left yeah. with is like you know a literally a, like literally a tiny fraction of the original number that are actually fully interested so mm -hmm. it's a it's a real numbers game where you have to like you have to sift through a lot of investors and you have to kiss a lot of frogs to understand like to find to find that to find that one that's going to actually put money in mm. so initially it was really tough but like you quickly learn that it's like all right like you know it's fine you know like firstly you're not giving me money like this is this is this isn't a one-way transaction you yeah. i'm selling you of what we're doing you you're buying into what I, I say or what the company could be so you're getting a you're getting a very good rate uh, on what the X turnover or the X multiplier could be in the end game. So you're getting, so I'm, it's not like a, a deal where you're just giving me money. It's an exchange of saying, I want, yeah. I would like some money to, like, to speed up our development. In exchange, you get some equity and control in the company. Um, but yeah, that kind of mindset of saying, like, look, of being like, you know, look, this is what we're doing. Um, and I, here's, what, here's what we're asking for is quite like, it was hard for me to learn. Uh, well, it was not hard, but like, it was, quite difficult to learn because you know i had that mindset of like you know being like oh you know it's rude to ask or you know it's yeah you know it's like it's money you know it's like oh but then anyway, ultimately it's like no like it's my idea we need this money to do this do you want to get involved or not because there, there's money out there i'm going to find it like yeah. you can get involved if you want to but ultimately 
this we're going to get this funded. So you can either you can either jump on and have and come come on this journey, or not. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. Like you know, it's not a trick question. I don't want pity. There's no pity money. It's like you know, mm. put some money in or or not. But um, no, yeah. Doing the first few dozen times talking to investors, you know, it's it gets <laughs> it gets progressively easier, should we say? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, a lot of these investors are just people. You know, they're just it's, it's not like. It's not Dragon's Den, you know. Dragon's Den is just make believe. Like they're not sitting there yeah. with a pile of money, like you know, giving you the stink eye when you say something. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know, ra- super rational people, or um, typically, I say it's super rational. Typically, people who have made a lot of money, especially in the early stage. So these are kind of called angel investors. So these are pe- people who are basically high net worth individuals who like to diversify their money into different risky startups. Um, and then you get like the next stage, which are institutions. Uh, like you know vcs or family funds or like you know government bodies that you have to meet a lot more criteria and they have mm-hmm. far higher ticket sizes or, or they put more money in than the smaller angels do um but the angels you know they're just regular people you know they just want to talk to you have a chat and then say okay cool mm-hmm. you know information and let's see if we if let's see if something can happen here but um yeah it gets easier with time you know you develop thick skin pretty quickly yeah you've got you know a lot of business jargon like the words <laughs> did you take any business courses or is this just the learning from the past two years of doing your own business because you come out with things that i'm just like oh okay he knows about, i don't know like not that i didn't expect you to but i guess because you're a designer i kind of see you more of as a designer but then you're coming out with all these business things i'm like he, he actually knows his shit he knows what he's talking about <laughs> did you do any business courses or is it just from learning podcasts or the Four rest years of it? experience yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I think firstly it's like you know being exposed to it. So when you hear people, when you when you speak to people, and they say when they say stuff like you know, oftentimes you know, it's like don't be don't be like don't try and act smart. So like, okay, well if if I hear stuff, I'm like oh like you oh you said an acronym there. What does that acronym mean? You know like mm. um, uh, what's an S what, what's an SME, SME or like you know what's EIS investment? Or like tell me more about this. So or like so like, I guess it's partly like you know being inquisitive and trying to learn, reading books. But also, like you know, trial by fire. Like when people talk talk to you about stuff, you know, you need to understand what they what yeah. they what they they're asking. Well, especially in investment terms. Like if they if an investor asks you something, um, and you don't know what they're talking about, well, what <laughs> I do, you obviously never, never lie. You know, you can't lie. But it's like, oh, you know, something like you know, great question. Uh, I'll get back to you with a response later this afternoon or tomorrow with a reply on that. You know, so it's like just trying to figure. It's yeah. Well, I'm kind of rambling now, but I would say it's a lot of self teaching. Um, yeah. and being exposed to hearing this sort of stuff. So if you're in this area, you'll just hear jargon being thrown around. Um, so you, you, you get to learn it pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think I would know all this stuff that I do now. Like, you know, I'm not, my, my, my strong points, my traditional strong points I thought weren't in business, you know, kind of the world, but um, they've been, I had to increase them. <laughs> yeah. Quite a surprise. So one mantra, <laughs> you have to become. Yeah, well, currently, currently I have a few more people in the team now, um, and that's another thing. Like you know, getting people who really add value, who can like you know, who can delegate. I mean, I would say going back to the hardship is like you know, delegating stuff because like you know, I've kind of always been controlling stuff, so it's been a little bit hard for me to kind of delegate Let stuff. Go. But when you find, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll oh, take this, you know. It's like oh, be careful with it, you know. <laughs> don't, don't break, break my baby. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um. But you know, you seem to find people who you trust, you get on with, who are fit, and who can really add that value. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. But that that was in, that was an art form too. Just you know, sieving through these uh, CVs. You know, just mm. you know, that was 
that was that was tough and having conversa having conversations and like you know uh, and and asking the right questions too. I would say one of the best books I've actually read is has been the mum the mum test. It's a really quick book you can read it in a couple of hours, but it's such a good book about like you know asking questions and like you know essentially not getting false negatives from people when you ask leading questions. Mm -hmm. um, it's that has been actually running a business and like especially, especially at the early stage, it's been phenomenal in actually trying to gauge more truths in in what people say mm -hmm. um but yeah i'm not a big reader but i've been i've been forced <laughs> to, to read more and yeah. audible is a lifesaver yeah. yeah so to go back to your business i was watching some videos on, on your instagram earlier and uh, so it's really interesting the way your the the, the the whole thing works you, you you buy those pods um and you grow your your little insects and stuff like that and then when they are big enough you freeze them you bake them and then you like you can feed them to yourself or to your pet if you want like that or you can make some kind of like flower like just um, chill enough whatever um, can you tell us a little bit about yeah like the the, the process of actually like what I'm buying something on your website it's coming to my place how do I go from there to feeding myself or my pet and and also maybe especially i'm curious even if it's not what you're doing what would how would i eat that personally as a human being uh because i yeah. i don't know like just an insect it's just like a chips you know it's not very <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. No, great great question um so yeah i think so back in the day like before we pivoted to the, to the pet market we it was basically human consumption and so, like, you, you, you kind of even just demonstrated, like, you know, the steps involved just then when you said, like, you know, you have to, like, you know, you grow them, you then, you then, you then freeze them, you then freeze them, and then you then have to, like, you know, blend them. So, like, there's quite a lot of steps uh, involved for the human cons consumption um, because our, 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 our current product, our V1 product, is relatively simple. It's yeah. essentially, uh, like, uh, multiple, uh, a, it's a, modular tray system that is filled with kind of like you know small holes at different stages and at different heights and what this does is it passively staggers the life cycle of the mealworm so mm. earlier i mentioned how it's like you know there's an egg then there's a then there's a mealworm then a pupa then a beetle yeah. so what this does is it kind of passively staggers this development um it means that that it's a relatively low-tech product um which 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 reduces its defensibility in the IP world, but it means that we can get to market quickly, hmm. and it's more and it's more cost effective, so it's more affordable to people. Um, and then our V two product will kind of build on this, and we'll integrate technologies to automate a lot of the processes, so it's much more sophisticated. But ultimately, with the V one, yeah. So what this does is it or literally it just grows the insects. Um, so what, what so let's just say you um you, you go to the website and let's just say we launch in two months when we launch in two months you go to the website you can buy the growing pods so this is just you know these are the growing pods they have multiple trays they have carbon filters to absorb any unpleasant odors they also come with a complementary pack of starter insects which you put into the pods and then that becomes your first uh generation of beetles and so it's really key that these beetles are essentially they're the lifeblood of what's going on because your beetle density your beetles lay the eggs, so the more beetle density, the high beetle density you have, the higher egg output you have. The higher egg output you have, the more mealworms you have to feed your to feed mm. to your pets. 
So you want loads of beetles in there, laying eggs, making love, having eating, eating food, eating your waste food, and turning that into mealworms, which you then feed to your pets. Um, so regarding the pets, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, a lot of these pets eat insects in their whole form. So what happens is, you know, uh, when a tray's ready, you literally just take a, take a scoopful out and then give it to, you know, your wild birds, your chickens, your amphibians, your fish, whatever. So it's really simple, uh, which is good. Um, but as it, for a human, um, you know, you obviously don't want to eat a live wriggling uh, mealworm. Um, so, you know, you know debatable. Yeah, I think a lot of people yeah. probably I would. probably um, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, very cool. Um, but so to, for, for, for a human, so we'll, we'll, another pain point we found with, our, with selling this to, selling the V1 back in the day when we did the Kickstarter to human market was that there was more processes needed. So because the product was, was is kind of low tech, the initial one, it means that the person that has to decant the insects uh, and then freeze them to humanely kill them, a bit like a lobster, and then you bake them in the oven for a couple of minutes and then you can either use then you can either use them in kind of whole and like you know put them into pasta or like you know uh, you know bake with them or, or really kind of do anything or you can blend them and use them as a use them as a uh, like a, a powder and this can be used as like a partial flour replacement so you can use mm -hmm. it in like baked goods breads pizzas you know add it to like you know protein like a smoothie to give it a protein kick um, but there but there were additional uh, processes needed that w that wasn't in the product, meaning that ultimately someone's a bit like, okay, well, why would I grow this when I can just buy this? Um, so that it made the, the sell to the human for human consumption that much harder. So that's why we're looking to develop our technology to automate as much as we can to make the process mm -hmm. much more efficient, um, but also cost effective and uh, have a higher output and make it easier for the user just to you know have fun with it because you know. It's it's it, convenience is so important. Um, yeah. So like that that's a top priority going forward. Yeah. Mm. And how often would I have to order new insects to lay eggs? Like how? Because I'm guessing at some point the beetles sure. gonna die or stop. Like I need to renew the. Yeah. <laughs> so so the great thing about what we're doing is is like so once you have your starter pack of insects they then become self-sufficient because some of the mealworms will pupate and turn into beetles. So uh, yeah. you have a continuous supply of insects and beetles. Um, and we're, provide, we're, we're increasingly providing more kind of education and more videos about this on our website to make it really easy to understand because there is that little bit of you know, knowledge you have to learn to kind of understand everything. Um, so we're trying to make that as easy as possible by having you know, short demo videos and like, you know, making it super clear and super easy and also quite fun. You know, it's, it's a bit of a biology kind of experiment. Yeah. It's, um, uh, but um, it's, so there is that, like, you know, that knowledge gap that has to be kind of filled through like saying, okay, this is what you get. You buy the pods, you buy the insects, then you're done. Well, you can also buy more carbon filters from us. These are, the, these are basically uh, pieces of material that absorb any unpleasant odors hmm. um, from the insects. Um, and we also are selling, uh, we will be selling uh, uh, sustainable oat blend, which is what, uh, you know, kind of the substrate that the insects kind of like live in and kind of eat as their dry food. So we'll be providing a, like a sustainable source, uh, well, a high protein source and also sustainable source of, of oats that can be used as insect feed. So we're just trying to like, you know, give like value to the customers and say, look, you know, mm -hmm. here's the pods, here's how you can use this. But if you want to have, if, if you want to have like, you know, 
uh, upgrade it. You know, here's some carbon filters. Also, here's some sustainable oats that can optimize your, you know, your, the pet feed. Um, so yeah, it's, we're really just trying to add value here, and I think that's what we've just got to do going forward. Is like try and see, like you know, oh, what issues are people having with their pets? How can we make it easier? How can we? Well, firstly, how can we make? How can we save them money? How can we increase the, the pet nutrition? And thirdly, how can we be more sustainable? There really are three values that we're trying to do mm-hmm. here. Um, and that's really, whenever I kind of do something, I'm like, all right, it has to be these three things. Like, you know, let's just, they're the, our core values here at the Bug Factory. I love this. I would, I would try it personally. <laughs> I would have one at home for myself. <laughs> it's oh, interesting. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, in front, I, I eat snails. Like you know, a sluggish one with plenty of saliva, so I would eat a dry insect with no problem. <laughs> it would be quite fun to see what you could do with it as well, like how you could get away with putting it in people's food without them knowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Well, there is a slight correlation with uh, shellfish allergies and being allergic to insects. So if you do, if you do put some insects in someone's food, make sure they're not allergic to shellfish. <laughs> Okay, good, good advice. <laughs> but something, something you mentioned is about like it's educational and making it fun. And yeah. I guess it could be quite a good thing to get kids involved as well because they can see the insects growing and evolving and then they see the whole process and how that then becomes food. And is that something that you're marketing towards or something that you've noticed is a selling point for your clients? Or I don't know. Yeah, sense? yeah, 100%. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, like... I guess in marketing terms, you kind of call this like, you know, market segments. So like, we have our kind of core segments of kind of like, you know, small pet owners, you know, which can be subdivided into, you know, uh, aqua feed, you know, reptiles, poultry, wild birds. So you can kind of like subdivide it there. But then also there's also some other fringe areas that, you know, education, for example, you know, having this as an educational tool. And also then, you know, uh, Jeremy, you can also said, um, you know, having it to eat yourself. So, you know, there's another, you know, going back to edible insects, there's also a fringe case there so it's it's trying to find out like i mean ultimately what i'm trying to do here is initially think like a monopoly uh try and create a monopoly in the small in the small pet segment market and then you know because uh, if you can't dominate your key niche like you mm-hmm. can't really expand organically yeah. so the education market is something that really interests me um it's just i mean unless you partner with partnering with schools with i mean i've been toying around with some different ideas but it's um it's we have you know because we're pre-launch we have all these assumptions and we're going to do what we think we're going to do and then you know who knows what will be in six months you know it might be a fully a a more educational piece than it is you know uh pet feed but um for me it's quite an exciting time of like you know testing assumptions uh and seeing and seeing um what will happen because ultimately you know there's we can do what we can but you know ultimately the market will decide yeah Um, so you know uh get me back on maybe in six months time and yeah (laughs) <laughs> what about things like restaurants is that something that you could partner with and they could make their own and then like you said put it into pastas and is there any market are there any restaurants that are currently using that that would make it easy if they had your product yeah i mean the key thing here is, is it's kind of like um it's it's a lot of it's linked to size and output so i mean there's a reason why chefs and restaurants don't grow don't typically grow all their produce yeah. Because you know you need space. So similarly to what we're doing, to have something that will have a significant output for like a restaurant, you need mm. quite a large unit, and yeah. like space is you know space is like a premium, especially in restaurants. Um, 
So, I mean, that was actually a consideration in the early days of making, you know, something much more substantial, you know, something like a fridge, uh, like a large fridge, and then mm. having that as a unit. Um, but then kind of went, it, went away from that idea, but that is still an idea. Um, but yeah, it's, it's trying to have, it was, and ultimately talking to, um, you know, chefs, again, I'll, I'll big up the mum, the mum, the mum book. Um, I know, sorry, the mum test. That's what that's what's called the mum test. Um, you know, talk to people who you think might be your customers. You know, talk to chefs yeah. and be like, hey, you know, um, you know, do you what do you, what do you grow here? Do you have anything like, oh no, you know, space is a premium here. Like, you know, I would I would I would I wouldn't even buy grow herbs. You know, we have we have someone who does that. We have someone we have someone for our fish. We have someone for our pasta. You know, we're we're a small kitchen here in London. You know, uh, so it's like, okay, well, you know, would you have space for anything like, oh no, like, you know, it's a premium, like, you know, it has to be able to be clean, you know, it has to be yeah. hygienic. Uh, so you quickly learn what is or isn't feasible yeah. from asking good questions, or I say subjectively good questions to um, people who you think might, might buy it. Mm. No, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, like you said before, you know, it's a lot of trial and error and 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 mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because the more we uh, we've been talking to you the more i realize like the potential of the market for your your company is huge it could be it could be huge uh, there's so much potential clients for it when you think about it when you know at the beginning it was like bugs <laughs> uh, there are so 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 many things and uh, i think it's going to be very interesting to watch because obviously you know as a society, we are realizing that the way we live right now is not sustainable, that we need to be more mindful of our resources and how we eat and act and live and everything. So um, it's very, very, very early and you're very early. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, in more like 2030, uh, where insects will be in our life. Cause uh, I think it'll be a totally different conversation then and, and and I mean, hopefully you'll still be around and you'll be, you know, the, the, the main provider for everyone. I mean, that's what I wish for you. But uh, we are at the early stage of this potential revolution, mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, we're at the, it's super early, but like, things are tr changing dramatically fast. Um, mm. I think actually just, you know, last, earlier this week or last month, uh, you know, Morrison's, one of the largest UK supermarkets, uh, is uh, have are now using insects to feed all their chickens for all their eggs. So every egg you buy from a UK, from this from this huge UK supermarket has been reared on insect protein. Oh, so wow. these things they're changing, and like you know, it's it's more of a systems change where you kind of need well, you to move to move to have a huge impact. You need kind of like you know governments and legislation and organizations. But like on the individual level, it's like okay, which brings me back to like you know why I kind of did what I did is like you know how what tools can we do on the, for the individual? You know, it's a bit like you know having a herb garden or you know having a you know having a or, or growing something yourself you know yeah. giving the, giving yourself a tool that can enable you to you know just reduce your own or, or have your own impact maybe it's a little bit of virtue signaling but it's a little bit of saying look i'm doing my part um yeah. it's a quirky fun product um but yeah no it's, it's a really exciting and, and this is what really gets me excited about like you know because yeah, a classic investor question is like, what is, you know, okay, so what's the future? Where will you be in the next, you know, five years? Because, you know, people give you money because they don't give it for you for nothing. They want <laughs> yeah, you, you want to return. They, 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 they want you to have an exit plan to say, okay, in the next four to six years, we'll be acquired by th this company. 
or will be acquired, by uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, but then, you know, it's like, okay, but in the meantime, it's like, okay, we're like, you know, we might be in the pet sector, but then, you know, developing our tech in the next year or two, we'll be then able, we'll then be able to apply what we're doing into different verticals, you know, that can have a lot larger impact, you know, so it could be producing insects on a larger scale in like, you know, uh, for, edible, for edible insects or like, you know, developing growing systems that can be deployed in like, you know, low and middle income countries so they can have a more sustainable source of protein for them to maybe eat or for them to feed to livestock depending on the region. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and I think the future is a, it's a really exciting place. And, you know, we're in the pet sector now, but, you know, who knows where we'll be in like two, three years. I think it's, um, it's growing fast and yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a fun time, you know, I'm yeah. having a blast. Can we have you on every year? I, was I really say want that. to follow like your journey and what happens and the statistics and I've got to say I didn't think and... I would be so excited about bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you I'll send you guys down I'll send you guys down a, a sample and we'll get you to try it out maybe. If you Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> All right. No, all right yeah, we, we, we definitely need to do like a follow up on that cuz I I I'm very very curious to to know like what's going to happen when you launch and also yeah. the, the evolution of the market and of your business at the same time. Cause yeah, I don't know. My brain is like this and that and this and that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. from the little that I know, so I can't even imagine your brain where it must be going. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's been a fun journey. It's, um, and yeah, just, I mean, this, this is the year really you've talked to me at a very interesting time where we'll really know, I think we'll know what we do, like in the next eight months, we'll know, if, if what we're doing is, you know, shit hot or just shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to go one way or another. We'll, we'll soon see. Yeah, and that's the beauty, you know, like, you know, you know, you have to have fun, push, push what you're doing, believe in what you're doing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. It's a process and yeah. it's, it's, it's been a blast so far. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Thomas, for your time. And yeah, I'm really excited to have you back on the show and, and to follow the growth of your business. And I wish you all the best, honestly, because I think it's a brilliant idea, honestly. And, and the way you're executing is, is, is obviously working. So I wish you all the best. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk next year to, to know exactly where you are. Got one last question before we wrap it up. Yeah, this is a question <laughs> we ask everyone. Okay. A little bit random, I know, not related <laughs> to what we've been talking about, but if you could have a conversation with anybody, dead or alive, famous or not famous, it can be literally anybody who's ever existed, who you think would be the most interesting person, who would you choose and why? Oh, that is a true one. <laughs> All right, I don't want to go with a really obvious one because I, I feel like most some people could do that. Um, Oh, this is actually a tricky. First one. thing coming to your head. The first thing coming into my head. Well, I think. I mean, personally, I would love to talk to. Uh, you know, it has to be right now because what I'm doing, it has to be someone like you know, someone who's like, breaking boundaries. So, like, I would love to talk to Elon Musk. I would love to talk to him, and just okay. figure out how the hell he does all this stuff. You know, how does he? How, how does he? Yeah. What's it, like some secrets that he's learned over the years, so you can just you know, have, create all these companies uh, and have such an impact well just being one person so yeah i think oh you might you, that's probably a generic answer i've given you but yeah that, that's what i that's the first person <laughs> came to my mind the, no honestly like every time we ask guests we never had this answer this this is my answer as well personally that would be my choice but i'm the only one so far who said that so yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. oh cool. cool okay yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm not uh 
Too basic. No, no, no. So yeah, I'll, I'll join you. If that happened, I'll join you. If that's all right. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It's like, how can you wake up one day and say, like, I'm going to go to Mars to save the human race? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bananas. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting individual. Don't fully... His personal life seems a bit uh, chaotic. But, yeah. Hasn't um, he just got kids is... popping out everywhere from yep. different women all the time? Yeah. I've lost track. I've lost track. <laughs> I keep up to date more so with his businesses rather than yeah. his uh, yeah. <laughs> the paparazzi but personal I'll, life yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but i i'll probably keep i'll talk to business maybe um <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> not, not yeah. about wives <laughs> definitely and yeah. names uh no but oh, yeah <laughs> yeah uh thomas thank you so much i will make sure to leave uh the website and on your socials in the show notes but yeah the bug factory based in the uk uh, launching soon so make sure you follow i will be following for sure and i'm very very excited to have you back on a show to see where this amazing journey takes you thank you so much for your time yeah rosie jeremy thanks for having me on thank you so much can't wait like jeremy said to have you on the show next year and follow your journey and yeah i wish you all the best thank you so much for coming on the show Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.